Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only and does not replace your own financial, tax, legal, or financial product advice. It's International Women's Day if you're listening to this episode on the day it comes out. It's an important milestone each year, particularly for our podcast, as we cover a range of different topics that matter to both women and men equally. While I clearly can't control the world, I can control my world, and particularly around the topic of financial equality. They say you accept the standard you walk past, and I'm here to say at My Millennial Money, we will stop at financial inequality. So let it be known that our team here will champion any goal, any dream, any ambition to be paid more, invest more, progress your career more, and to learn more. It would be fitting to say thanks to the wonderful women in the team who help us deliver content to you each week. So a thank you to Jess Knaus, who heads up production. She's on maternity leave at the moment, so I hope you hear this, Jess, and you and the family are going great. Rachel Chow, who is a producer. Jess Pearson, who heads up visual comms and works with me on partnerships. Emily Wallace, who is host of the My Millennial Property podcast. Azaria Bell, who hosts the Gen Z Money podcast. Emily Bowen, who hosts the My Millennial Career podcast, along with Shelley Johnson. Today on the show, my guest is Sally Lone. I met Sally a few years ago at the time when she was CEO at the Financial Services Council, of which I did some work with. Sally is one of the professionals in my world where if I hear her name at an event with a number of speakers, I really make sure I listen to her session. I wanted to get Sally on the podcast just to have a conversation about all the things. While this episode is entitled Five Way to Save More Money as a Woman or anything patronizing like that, I just wanted to have a conversation in the public square about some issues to do with the economic framework around women. I'm going to get Sally back on the show to help us digest the issues around women later in the year leading up to the election, particularly around the policies from the major parties. But guess what? This episode would not be made possible without our Tuesday show partner, Tao. If you're new to My Millennial Money, you know I talk about having a sound financial house and one of the foundations is having adequate life and income insurances in place for you and your family. TAL, that's T-A-L, is a quality life insurance company that has over 4.5 million Aussies insured. Now, I hope I don't get in trouble from TAL for talking out of school, but I thought, let me Google TAL equality and just some keywords like that. And I'm pleased to report that for over seven years, TAL have been named as a workplace of choice for women and equality in the workplace. So thank you so much, Tao, for really getting behind the same vision and the same stuff that we are doing here at My Millennial Money. And just this morning when I was prepping this intro, I was really pleased to see that uh, come up in Google. So my name is Glenn James and you're listening to My Millennial Money. Sally Lone, thank you so much for joining us on My Millennial Money. Pleasure, Glenn. Good to be here. Now, 
For some of the listeners who might not be in corporate circles or in the finance world or anything like that, perhaps you could maybe let the audience know who you are, what you do, what you're passionate about, mm. what your pin number is and all the good stuff. <laughs> all of that. Yeah, yeah. right. Uh, I'm really – I'm passionate about communicating actually. One of the things that I did for 25 years in my early career was a, a journalist and I was a radio broadcaster and, and television uh, and then I got into the corporate world and for the last seven years I was head of the Financial Services Council, which is an industry organisation. And I became extremely passionate about um, making sure that women understood the power of financial independence because for me, as a sort of long-time feminist, I totally maintain that you really can't be what you want to be. You can't have choices unless you're financially uh, independent and you you max out your financial opportunities. That doesn't mean to say that every woman has to be really wealthy. You just have to really understand money mm-hmm. uh, and understand that without it, you're not going to have ch- a choice. And I think I want to kind of say at the outset, uh, you know, I was, you know, <laughs> I really struggled with what to do for International Women's Day. I want to first say that, um, you know, a lot of our listeners are women. Mm. And we often do a lot of good episodes profiling the good things that women are doing with their money and with their life and their career. And we also have guys, we also have a variety of different people. And I was really kind of like, well, do I get the most inspirational woman on the planet? And I got you. Uh, (laughs) And do this big powwow um, talk? Or do we go the other side and say, well, I like to think we champion women week on week Mm. and we do a lot of cool stuff. Well, maybe we just go, well, let's look at some structural things around money, society for women. And the one thing I've learned, Sally, is I can't please everyone. (laughs) Exactly. Don't even try. Yeah, that's right. So there's probably 30% of you that uh, can't believe I'm not doing something more X, Y, Z. So... I wanted to just unpack with you um, some things that you've been working on with some of the boards that you're on. Uh, We can chat about the change of the economic structure around women in Australia pre, during, post COVID. I mean, we can, we've got a lot of stuff here, but I think before we do, did you want to kind of have, if this was almost a, a debate, like do your opening statements of the lay of the land mm. or what's really been on your heart, maybe some of the work you've been doing with the New South Wales government and while like people all over Australia are hearing this, but some of the things that you're seeing from a, a government sense that might flow through to federal and other states and I might get you to touch on later in the episode about the upcoming federal election. Um, yeah, there's anything... some of the policies. Yeah, so I don't know where we're going to go, Sally. That's the thing. <laughs> and <laughs> Well, Glenn, I'm, I'm extremely old and um, I remember back when I was a young woman and I think young women today, and it's 
it's mostly because I think of communication forums like My Millennial Money understand more about money and investment than any other generation. And I think that's fantastic. That's the biggest change I've seen. I look on the movement like Me Too and I see young women like Grace Tame and Brittany Higgins and I think back to the women that inspired me when I was a young woman and they were women, they were angry young women back then like Jermaine Greer. Mm. Really angry, really rude, didn't care what people thought of them. But she hasn't really changed. No, she hasn't <laughs> changed. She's still, she's still rude. Do you know her? Uh, I have interviewed Jermaine Greer. Yeah. She is uncompromising and scary. And I like to think that the young, some of the young women today, um, you know, have some of her sort of, you know, inspiration. But I think um, the Me Too movement has been really interesting and it, it comes up every generation and I really hope we're starting to change there. I think a lot of attitudes have to change and attitudes can be set by policy. So when you say, you know, when I say things have changed um, in young women, a desire to be financially independent. Some of that is policy setting, and I think that's fantastic, and we're all we're all always on a journey with that, state and federal governments. But other things are fan- brilliant um, communications tools, like what you do. Well, the funny thing, like around my millennial money, and this is what just blows my mind: the level of uh, financial literacy that our listeners have, and seventy percent of our listeners are women. Mm. Uh, That's the great. The median income is $91,000. Amazing. And the median age, I think, is age 29. Yeah. So, on balance, we've got a lot of young, dialed-in women who are just killing it. And and this is the problem I've got is I can't be your guru, but I could be your facilitator. Yeah, Because exactly. there's smarter people listening to this podcast mm. than me. Mm. So, I'm really kind of like, okay, well... I'm running this community, mm. but just to give you an insight, like that's who we're talking to. Mm. That's exactly where you it should be because that's in the in a woman's mid to late twenties is where the gender gap starts to really show. Right. So you come out of uni or come out of school, you get a job with the boys, it's all equal, and all the stats I've seen, all the research I've seen. When you're in your mid to late 20s, that's when that gap starts to show and that's when women have to really take note of things like their salaries, their superannuation and promotion and all of those things. So, you know, we've got to stop that gender gap, pay pay gap from starting in their 20s. And I think everybody listening should also remember that in our democracy, of course, everyone has to vote. So your vote is really important and your vote can change policy settings for your future. So one of the things that remains a bit intractable in Australia uh, is, you know, access to really good quality and um, inexpensive childcare. It's very expensive and oftentimes it's a real barrier to women returning to work. And that's where the second gender gap comes in salary because women take time off work. uh, They can't get a lot of childcare that could really help them get back to work. So they stay away from the workforce. So that then their super gap gets larger. All of those things just start to compound. So when you're a young woman and you're thinking about finances, think about the policy settings too, mm. that parties either in, in the state government that you're in or the federal government and what their policies are when it comes to looking after your future. So it might be around childcare. Um, it might be around um, superannuation uh, being paid on parental leave, you know, when you're on parental leave. A number of private companies do that now, quite a lot of them. 
Uh, we did it at the Financial Services Council. I was really proud of that. So if you had a year off work, we kept paying your superannuation guarantee of 10%. So you didn't actually have that gap. I've actually got um, one of our producers, Jess Knaus, she's on maternity leave and I made the announcement to my team and I think Jess actually put it up on LinkedIn because I wasn't going to publicly announce it, but we've done the same thing now. That's great. Um, well done. It's got to start with... See, I'm of this thing. We shouldn't need legislation for common sense. <laughs> but they are poly... What Legislation changes behaviour. If mm. you think about the seatbelt rule, yes. if we didn't have legislation that made it mandatory for everyone to have mm. a seatbelt, you know, you might get people doing it, you might get people not doing it. The majority would do it, but there'd still be probably 10% who wouldn't. Those people would have catastrophic injuries. Their lives would be completely, you know, over uh, and the, you know, the knock-on effect on the economy from mm. their lack of productivity. So... I always look at legislation to actually start to change behaviour. Well, and it should be the catch-all so people yes. aren't left behind. Exactly, exactly. And that's why even though the COVID vaccinations weren't mandated, you couldn't do much or go anywhere much without them. Mm. So, you know, that was a very powerful, um, you know, instrument, behavioural change. I guess my comments like shouldn't need legislation, I'll probably rephrase it as such like... The legis- I would hope that legislation is l- kind of like, well, businesses are doing far more than that anyway. Yeah. Like just, I don't know. Like, they are. Businesses it, it, always lead government yeah. change, government yeah. legislation. You're absolutely right. And that's happening in climate. That's happening mm. in a lot of things. That's very true. Mm. But you also, I think for behavioural change, um, the, it, the laws it, are it's, needed. It's actually my, and this is what I'm struggling with, it's my heart. Um, and it might happen in the future with my company as we grow that, you know, for an X amount of time, like you're on full salary for six months or something while you had maternity leave or something. I don't know, like, mm-hmm. yeah. So Some companies are offering they really are. fantastic. Yeah. And with this war for talent now, you know, mm-hmm. with our unemployment getting so low, um, I would advise every woman and man out there to think about what they want from their job. Now, if they want to have more flexible working hours, if they want to work remotely, um, put it to your prospective employer or your current employer and say, look, can we do this? And you never know because that employer nine times out of 10 wants to keep you, mm. wants to keep you happy and wants to keep you. So that could work. Yeah. And I think for me, it was that dance with, we are a startup business and, you know, as yep. much as I want to pay everyone <laughs> unlimited money, you I've can't. got to make sure that we are around. You have to be sustainable. Yeah. So yeah. it is a dance, right? It is. It really is. One of the things that I'm doing at the moment, which I'm really enjoying, uh, I do a lot of pro bono work. I'm a non-executive director now, so I, I sit on boards. But one of the things I'm doing for the New South Wales government is this um, Council for Women's Economic Opportunity. And the New South Wales government, um, uh, under the leadership of Matt Keane, the Treasurer, and Bronnie Taylor and Sarah Mitchell, the Ministers, um, is to do a big review on what are the things that are holding women back in the workforce? What are the barriers for the women returning to work? And everybody is saying it's access and cost of childcare as well as enough part-time work. So this is another big review where hopefully the New South Wales government will be able to do a few policy shifts and changes and make New South Wales businesses really attractive for people to come and work in because it'll be more flexible, it'll be better. Who do you think the leader is in a state basis that you've seen for um, policy around, I guess, women's economic opportunity? 
Well, Bronnie Taylor is the Minister for Women and she she's a National Party women, uh, Minister and I've always taken the view, I know a lot of women in, Nash, in the National Party and they're usually from the land and they've always had equal rights with men because they get out there and, you know, work the farm as hard as the men, most of them that I know. Um, and Bronnie's a, a, a very leading minister in this state in that regard. Sarah Mitchell, who's the Minister for Education, is also very deeply involved because she looks after preschool and you know, childcare and all of that. Um, it's it's a federal government policy switch as well. So what New South Wales can do, uh, and Treasurer Matt Keane has got a lot of influence, is to put some pressure on the feds to say, hey, this is what we want to do in New South Wales. Here's a roadmap. Here's a roadmap. Help, yeah. us, help us achieve that because it's laws in both federal and state jurisdictions. Mm. Yeah. Mm. And I think um, one of the other things that I think is so interesting um, that – that everybody listening might have already lived through is our COVID experience. Now, everybody listening, will, if you're in the Zoom class and you are able to work from home, will know that you've gotten used to a routine where you might go for a walk or you might do Pilates or, you know, you don't have to do that hour commute into the city. Um, and so we're all uh, I think working on this whole notion of how do we get back to so-called normal and what does it look like? One of the things that's come out of COVID, and I've um, I'll cite here the Financy Women's Index for 2021. It's created a shift in gender equality. Now, what's really interesting is that women and men have said that they're now doing more equal share of the unpaid work at home. So whereas once it fell mostly on women's shoulders, apparently now in COVID, a lot of the blokes have seen, oh, my God, that's a lot of work juggling family, etc. I'm going to take more of that unpaid work on. So that's a really positive thing to come out of COVID. The negative thing to come out of it is that the gender pay gap has got a bit worse. And that's the, the brunt of workers bearing that are the healthcare workers. So they've come out of it slightly, you know, tilting the balance in a negative direction. But the unpaid work, more men doing it, yay, fantastic. So all you blokes listening, you've shouldered a bit more of the load, good on you, keep it up. <laughs> I remember growing up, um, it was a family friend <laughs> and she just had the like, her husband or something was like, oh, I put the bins out so I don't have to do that. She's like, uh, what? What? <laughs> Like, and, and you know what a lot of men say? I'll babysit the children tonight. No, they're your children. Yeah. You'll look after them. Yeah. It's, <laughs> I just thought it was funny. Yeah, it is funny. But look, that's, uh, that's moved in a good direction. So I think we can, be, we can be very happy about that. It's a good thing. What do you think the biggest positive change that we have seen, even in the last two years? I think it's understanding what everybody's going through at home. Um, I had no idea with my own people when I was running the FSC really much about, you know, their, I knew a little bit about their family lives or their home lives. But when you go into somebody's home every day on Zoom or whatever and you can see things, you can see the house, you know, the kids and you, you get a, the, the pets, you get an understanding of that. I think that's been great. Um, I think everybody's got a lot more tolerance of the things – that make us human. I know, you know, there were people who sort of thought they wanted to get back in the office because they didn't want to spend 100% of time at home. You know, it kind of, it's not always great to be spending that much time at home. You do need that 
I think, psychological and physical shift to coming into an office and being with colleagues because mm. we're social creatures. And also younger people, and particularly your listeners, really, I think, it's almost like it, um, an osmotic transfer of knowledge when they sit next to a senior person and hear how that person does their job mm. or speaks to a client or, you know, does a deal. You're picking, you're picking it up subliminally and you do soak up a lot of that knowledge and I think that's what a lot of young people are really seeking. They want to go back to the office to, to learn that stuff, mm. which is hard to learn on Zoom. You can't. And the, Yeah, and the thing is like how do we move – and this is the dance, isn't it? Like somebody who might be a hairdresser or a plumber or insert your job here that isn't white collar. Yeah. How do – how do we adjust the workplace flexibility so it is flexible for those who are physically present mm. and also who might be able to work remote? I think that's the next big key question. And I think we need to ask people like plumbers and hairdressers who need to be client facing and they've got to be there at the person's house. What do you want? What did you get out of COVID? You know, mm. there's a lot of research on on the Zoom class but not a lot of research on people who actually have to go and physically do the job. So I think we need to ask them mm. um, what, what worked for you and what didn't. Um, and I think maybe a bit more flexibility in hours perhaps. Um, we, we need to find out. I've kind of just in preparing this, I did feel like, you know, it's just such a big topic and I didn't really know where to jump in. And in my mind, I kind of you know, women's economic security and all that stuff. Mm. I've kind of split it into two kind of camps, uh, this kind of above the line thing where it's social, like the um, Grace Tame, Brittany Higgins examples, like out there, mm. social, this is real, these mm. are real examples. Mm. And then the structural stuff. So wage gap, super gap, employment opportunities. Yeah. Like, do you think the structural stuff is a lag of this above the line stuff or are we getting to a point where it is, I guess, being... Narrowed. Is it narrow? That's the word. Is yeah. it narrowing? I, I, that's a really, really good question. I think policy does... Policy change takes a long time. I've worked for seven years and before that I was a political journalist so I know how parliament works. Parliament is, is much more complex than it ever was. Before it just really used to be two parties and maybe one or two independents. Now there's this rise of independence. So it becomes much more difficult to for parties to actually get their policies through cleanly. And you'll know with the big changes in superannuation that the coalition instigated, that's been very, very slow and hard fought. And one of the, I think one of the best things that, that they did, and this came out of the Royal Commission recommendation and the Productivity Commission, was now every single person in Australia can carry their super fund with them from job to job. Mm. That means that it's like a bank account or a tax file number. You just say to your employer, this is my super fund. So you don't have to, if you don't choose, you don't just get allocated into another super fund. Because some people really smart you know, white-collar, very, very smart people were telling me they had 10 super funds. Now, what a waste of money. Yeah, my sister had like 12 <laughs> at age 29 or something ridiculous. That's a big confession to mm. you. 
<laughs> but yeah, that that's the sort of thing that it was a scourge and a real blight on our super fund system. And I'm a supporter of compulsory super. I think it works really well. But things like that were so structurally hard to get fixed in Parliament mm. because there were politics all through it. There were independents who had to be convinced. There were people arguing against it and just making things hard. But the counterpoint to that was the technology wasn't there anyway. No, but not it's for here a while. Now. It's That's here right. now. Yeah. Correct. That yeah. took a while too. You're yeah. absolutely right. Uh, and people are a bit lazy, you know, when something's mandatory, you often don't think about it and that's what happened with probably your sister. Yeah. She just changed jobs and she wouldn't think about it and next next minute she's got five letters from five super funds saying you balance a zero. Mm. She might have had a few hundred or a few thousand dollars in it. You balance a zero. All that money has been wasted. Okay, so just back to, and these are, you know, these PSA type episodes, I really think they're important and you know, we the people need to actually change legislation. Mm. So it's – and because I'll give you a – this is an example of you only need to look at the two parties' platforms mm. to see what the rank-and-file bases and their base think about an issue. Mm. So I'll give you an example. Whatever side of the fence you're on with um, Australia being a republic or not, mm-hmm. Whatever side of the fence you're on with, um, change the date yep. or not, okay? Mm-hmm. Whatever side of the fence you're on with, choose your big social topic that's loud, the fact that neither of the big parties are taking them to an election as a promise means that their base doesn't actually care. Mm. Mm. So how do we get to the point where the really important issues, yeah. like mandating flexible work arrangements, yeah. are such a big big issue in the rank and file of parties Mm. that it goes up the chain so it's actually a policy agenda issue great question join a political party could Mm. be one uh you could do that it's it's fallen out of favor a bit um student politics um i mean i like the idea of joining a political party but i couldn't think of anything worse at the moment like i know it's hard how do we it's a commitment. Make- You've got to kind of make yeah. a commitment. But there are other things you can do. You can be you can be active. Um, you can be active in your own communities. You can, if you really feel strongly about something, particularly like change the vote. And I know I have um, great discussions with my millennial aged kids mm. about these big topics and we discuss it and then I know that they discuss it with their cousins and then it goes through their friendship groups. And mm. so it becomes something that people will actually change their vote over. And if you look deeply into the party's policy platforms, you'll usually find what you're looking for. You have to have a bit of a deep dive. You've got to go onto the party's uh, websites uh, and have a look there and see what they're actually standing for. They're quite long documents and it won't be in the media because the media um, doesn't often do deep dives into these things. But um, I went on the website of the major parties um, a couple of days ago to see what they've done. They haven't refined their policies yet for this coming election. So that's something that only happens in that sort of last few weeks before you have to put your mark on the ballot paper. You can usually get a bit of an idea who's progressive, who isn't, um, but you have to be fairly politically sophisticated. But if you can go online and find it, Mm. great. If you can't, if you feel really strongly about it, then join some sort of movement that, that, that possibly is a change the date, you know, Facebook 
platform or something where you can get on and make a big noise. I was really interested. I know when um, the government, uh, when COVID first started and the government made the decision to let young people access or anybody access their super, I was really interested in how that debate went. And I actually found, even though I wasn't allowed to, to look into my millennial money, I had a millennial friend who sent me some information. Your listeners were really fascinating about their what they were spending it on, what they were doing with it. Um, nine out of ten, totally legitimate. They had bills to pay. Mm. They had more, you know, whatever. Mm. They needed it and they were really grateful. So you can, by joining a community of something that you're interested in, you can actually affect change because guess what I did with that information? I told I told politicians that I know mm. and they were really interested because mm. I don't poll millennials as a, as a group necessarily. So that sort of stuff can be really influential. Because I think the thing that, you know, as a casual observer looking in and even, you know, you look at what's coming out of ScoMo's office and it, yeah, sure, make it a political statement, but it's just like, is there someone in the freaking room who's got an ounce of tone or like, it just seems like coming out of Canberra, there's yeah. just so much tone deaf stuff. Canberra is a unique beast and I worked down there for many years and it's like an island. There are 3,000 people who work in Parliament House and that's like an island to itself and gossip and, and you know, who's doing whatever to whom floats around that building night and day around the clock. It's a very, it's literally Love Island or mm. not Love Island, but, you know, <laughs> politics island. Um, and it's very, very different to most of Australia. But the politicians now are mostly from the political class, which means they are career politicians. Not many of them were shearers or teachers Mm. or um, worked at Woolies. They come from a certain background and that's Labor and Liberal, Mm. both of them, both of the major parties. So it's it's, they often, and they talk about the Canberra bubble and it's true. Because all the journalists who report on Canberra also live and breathe and work in that building as well. So it, it does become quite artificial. That's why it's really important to for politicians to understand what goes on in their communities to really get close to them. And also in business. You know, one of the big gaps, Glenn, is that polys don't understand business and business sure as hell does not understand mm. the political process. And if people understood that political process a lot better, they'd be able to say, ring up somebody you know, in an office and say, mate, you got to change the date. This is what's happening in my family. And if more people do that, the police get the feedback. And I think it's really important, like particularly with federal issues, whether it is um, industrial relations stuff, you've go on the politician website or whatever the bloody thing it is, mm. Google your local member. Yeah. Their email addresses are publicly listed. Yeah. You can email you can go, your you can member. Email. Yep. and say, I just want to provide feedback. I'm a mm. 20X-year-old XYZ. Yep. I do this for a work. This issue is really important for me. Um, Dead right. Like what if a group of you, like they need to know what's on the ground. They do. Yeah. And, and I, that helps. I, yeah. That really helps if you do. And I know um, there was a decision in Parliament uh, fairly recently about the religious discrimination bill and there were some Liberals who crossed the floor. Now, they would have had their own personal reasons for doing that, but they also would have had pressure from um, a lot of just ordinary people in their community saying, 
mate, you got to do this or whatever. So they do listen. They really do. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to take a quick break and we're going to come back and I might get Sally to give us a bit of a overview of maybe what she's seen out of the national parties. Sure. All right, cool. If you're after personal financial advice, don't get it from a podcast. If you would like help based on your own personal situation, head over to sortyourmoneyout.com. Click get help and we'd be happy to introduce you to one of our trusted advisors. Our panel of advisors, mortgage brokers and accountants work with clients all over Australia so they can connect with you wherever you are. That's sortyourmoneyout.com and click get help. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Okay, we're back. Sally... Australia, like it or love it or hate it or whatever the word is at the moment, there's basically two big parties. Sure, we have independents come in and come out. What are you, I guess, from your work that you've been doing and as a citizen and your own personal interest, from the two major parties, and we'll call it the coalition and Labor, Mm. what have you seen to date? And have they said they'll do something and haven't? Has someone actually... And given that it's been a coalition government for, what, coming up eight years, has it? Uh, I think so, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Two terms. It's two terms, yeah. Mm. Um, And, gosh, there probably will be a change, I'd imagine, but who knows? Hard to say. Who knows, really? I mean, (laughs) who knows? I wouldn't bet on it. Nothing. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Yeah, so what have you noted um, from both major camps? I think it's really important that everybody, if they, if 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 childcare is really important to you, go on the websites and find out what both parties have said about childcare. If uh, superannuation is really important, go and find out. But at the moment, you sort of got to judge people on what they've done, and you then what a rain out there. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. And then you sort of say, well, will they do what they say they're going to do? They're two different things. So. I often go back and and judge parties on what they've done. And as I said before, the coalition has worked quite, I think, very hard to get some reforms into parliament around superannuation to get rid of a lot of the waste. And I think that's been been very, very good. Um, The legislated rise in that percentage of your salary, at the moment we pay 10% of our salary into super every week. Uh, That's going to go up to 12% by 2025. Now, some say in the Labor Party that they would like to see that go higher to, say, 15%. Uh, We haven't seen any policies yet, so keep your eye out on that one if that's important to you. Either yes or no for that, you know, Mm. if it's important either way. Um, And you've got to weigh up what 
an increase in superannuation guarantee might mean for your take-home salary? Will it mean less? Will it mean you'll get a wage rise or not? You know, there's a whole lot of things you need to weigh up there. Yeah, and just on that, everyone, like when it increased from 9.5% to 10%, if you were employed with a salary package, here's your $70,000 package, you may have got a slight adjustment and received less Correct. coming home. But if you were a casual employee, hourly rate, you know, at Macca's, you would have got a slightly higher super component and not noticed your take home. Exactly. Exactly. So, so be careful what you wish for, people. Be careful what you wish for because some people say, I want it now rather than later mm. and others say, no, I want it later. So it's very much, um, you know, do, you, do your homework there. The, um, the government has also had some success in trying to weed out poorly performing super funds. Uh, they can't hide anymore. APRA, the regulator now, makes all super funds report publicly on, on benchmark performance tests. So that's been really useful for consumers. You can go on and, and see how they perform and what the component of the fee is too. So that's really, really important. The ALP, the, the Labor Party, um, will probably focus on more support for women, like super being paid on parental leave. Um, so keep your eye out for that. They've said they'd do that. So that, that's a policy that might be very attractive to some people. Um, Labor did have a lot of policies way back in the 2019 campaign, which would have changed super. They dropped quite a lot of those, though. So just not sure what their refreshed policies are going to be. Look, I think, I think the thing that people love about super is that um, technology has improved our experience with it. So most funds now have some sort of really good app where you can Make, and that's the market speaking. That's really got nothing to do with um, with policies and parties. But that's been a big change as well. So you can go on and you can click a button and say no, no insurance, for example, mm. or increase increase my um, super um, payments or whatever. So I think that's been a big change. And some are designed now for your own values and your own ideology. For example, if you want uh, a fund that's totally ethical, that's screened out all the all the stuff that you don't like. You might have a look at a bespoke uh, product like Australian Ethical or something like that. So I think um, that's really interesting. Tax is another big issue where there may be differences between the Coalition and Labor Party. So keep your eye out on tax policies. Keep your eye out on housing policies too. That's going to be very interesting. The Coalition has introduced a first homeowner's savings plan, which you can save for your first deposit inside your super fund. So you're getting all the tax benefits from sort of the super tax benefits. And Labor has dropped that policy that was unpopular, which was around um, negative gearing on property. So they've dropped that. So Because they went pretty hard on that. In the twenty nineteen, they did. They did. Yeah, that was, and that a lot of people were very unhappy with that. So Labor's got rid of that. They said, "Nope, that that didn't work." Right, We'd, we've dropped that. So I, I just think keep your eye if you you know super tax housing policy. That's where I think young people are going to be really care. interested. Yes, childcare funding is going to be interesting. Um, it's hard childcare funding because we want. We want a great system, and we but we want great people to look after our babies, and that means more expensive people. So is, you is, kind of got to be prepared to pay for it a bit. It's hard. It's is hard. childcare in Australia our equivalent to healthcare in the states? It's 
it's not all privatised. There is still there is still community childcare, whereas healthcare in the states is all pretty Private, much privatised. Yeah. Um, there are still great community centres, and we still have. Um, I think we have neighbourhood places where you can leave your children. They're managed by councils. I think that's that's something that's still mm. really good. The issue is around accessibility and and cost. Um, and there's been lots of debate over the years about, you know, do we have like a Medicare levy um, to pay for universal childcare, something like that. Mm. Neither party has gone for that just yet. But again, if this is something you're really passionate about, find the party that is actually saying, yeah, we're going to do something about childcare. Because childcare isn't a women's issue. No, correct. And Absolutely. Yeah, I just think, mm. and I think what we might do, Sally, is leading up to the election, we might get you back on once the policies have been actually released. And do a review of yeah, them. Of yeah, both love parties, to. Yeah, particularly sure. through a financial lens for women and families. Absolutely, yeah. Or even women who are and, and men who are thinking about having a family because mm. your age group is right in that sweet spot mm. of where those people are starting to think about and it. And this is where, you know, the capitalist pig comes out of me and this is the dance I've got, right? Like everything can't be provided for. Otherwise, the tax rate would be 100%. Unless you want to live in Scandinavia. Yes. Correct. So, but it's not free because the tax rates. Correct. So, it's a balancing point, right? Yeah. It's just... You're so spot on. It's I always say to people, look... If you're a woman and you want or a man and you want to have a child, there are sacrifices. Mm. It's not all. It's life is not going to be the same. You either outsource your childcare to somebody or a, a childcare centre, and you pay for that, and you go back into the workforce, or you stay at home and you look after your child and you lose your place in the workforce for a while. There's no easy way. Mm. You can't do it all unless you're super super wealthy. Mm. You just can't. Um, and that balance, as I said before, about having really good, well-trained people to look after our children, but keeping it affordable is a really difficult policy um, mm. question for governments and for oppositions. Yeah. yeah. It is striking that balance, isn't it? It is. So, the super gap, have you done much with that in recent years in terms of the role with the FSC and some of the members? And I know you can't speak on behalf of the FSC anymore, but just from what you've yeah. seen looking in. Well, the super gap is really linked to um, the gender pay gap, yes. which is, it starts in your early, in your mid-20s. Uh, and it's linked to um, a woman's time, particularly women, in and out of the workforce. So, you're just, you're just losing it. And because of compound interest, of course, the losses are compounding as well too. It's hard to catch up. What I would say is when you get to my age... Um, and you're earning more and you want to catch up, look at the parties that do really good policies to allow you to cat, put catch-up money into super. That's been a key for a lot of women in their 50s who have, you know, their child rearing's over, all of that stuff. They've got a bit more money. They think, I want to put that into super now, and they can. So look at it from that perspective as well mm. if you're in that. Um, in that spot. Yeah. And that's what I mean. Like, I think if you're listening to this and you're an employer and you're in the, I guess, the private sector, I want you to step up and be a leader. Mm. You know, I've taken, quote unquote, the risk yep. by saying to my staff, if you take maternity leave or paternity leave, 
I'll pay your super while you're not at work. Fantastic. What a great example. For guys or girls, I don't care. No, that's fantastic. And we did that at the FSC. Mm. Some of the banks do it. Some of the private companies are doing it. That's something that you can ask for as an employer, an employee. Mm. Ask, ask Ask your boss. Yeah. Like See if the, it works. The change has to start somewhere. It has to. It and has to. I'm hoping in the coming years I can do this. Yeah, if you take maternity leave, yep. we'll keep you on full draw mm. for X amount of time. Yeah. Yep. Or I don't know. It, it will be something. Yeah. Uh, That'll make you a really attractive employer. Yeah, because the key is for all the employers listening, you need to make your business so good that people don't want to leave. Mm. Exactly. But also you want to have the right people so they're so good that you don't want them to leave. Correct. Exactly. And the other thing you can do as an employer, um, and sitting on boards now I'm really keen to make sure this happens, is that you keep an eye on remuneration. A woman should be paid the same as a man for an equal job um, and that's a really important thing to keep an eye on and we, you can't take your eye off that ball. Mm. Okay, I'm going to now go to the Facebook group and there's some questions um, or maybe talking points. And I I will just say, everyone, like we've just kind of kicked around the can today, Sally, Mm. and as a thing to say that we are talking about these issues. So we need the conversation to continue. Yeah. What's important to everyone out there? Yeah. Yeah. So Lauren Byrne actually says, and this would be exactly for you, I'd love some advice on strategy to improve opportunities to sit on boards. Mm. So talk to us about boards. It's not only a governance thing, it's an influence thing. Yeah. It's something that uh, you you feel you want to do either when you're still working at an operational level or when you've finished your executive career and you want to do something a little different and I'm in the latter camp. But I also started working on boards and being a director when I was still deeply in my career and I was quite young when I started on my first board. So age isn't a barrier. I mean, don't think you just can sit on – you have to wait until you're, you know, a grey hair. You don't. Um, You – um, a lot of not-for-profits and community organisations need great people on boards all the time. But just remember, you've still got the same responsibility as you do as any ASX listed board member does. So um, there are some great organisations that can you can go. There's a group called Women on Boards, which is um, government funded. Uh, it's run by some fantastic women who've been in this space for a long time. Uh, the Australian Institute of Company Directors runs a course. The Governance Institute runs a course for, for directors. Um, there's all sorts of ways you can pick up on governance. But if you really want to get your feet wet on a board, um, my first board was a school board mm. or it could – it could my, my next board was a, uh, a charity board. They're still really serious. Mm. Like they're not kind of just faff around boards. There are no, there's no such thing. Uh, they're really important and – if you're willing to get your feet wet, get in there and do some of the heavy lifting because a lot of those organisations don't have enough people in operations, um, they're great boards to start with and you can get a real sense of, of how boards work. Yeah, and I'm a member of the Australian Institute of Company Directors, AICD, and part of their membership, you can actually pay the extra amount 
which I need to unsubscribe for because I don't, <laughs> but they send you board opportunities they every do. month. There's a list of um, right. vacant board seats. Yeah. Uh, I mean, but... Women on Boards does that too. Oh, there you go. Yeah. yeah. And that's free. And you can get those, uh, that, those lists. And a lot of them are public entities, you know, really interesting things like so-and-so's water board or so-and-so's health or just stuff that you mightn't have thought of. But you just need to be prepared that, like I sit on a non-for-profit, and, you know, that board entry is registered with the yes. government and it's on it my has a regulator. report. Yeah. And, you know, I'm refinancing a mortgage at the moment and the bank said, well, what about this directorship? They you have not- to get a police check. Yep. Like, Very important. It's... Yeah. It's serious. It, yeah. And so you've just got to be prepared. And, and understand your liabilities mm. as a director and your responsibilities because they are not lessened in any way, shape or form just because it's a not-for-profit. Absolutely. There's a question here. Aaron King asks, how can we best advocate for stopping the homelessness crisis of middle income women in older age? Yeah, that's the biggest group of um, the big, the group that's growing the most in homelessness is 55 year old women mm. and over. And that's partly because Aaron, uh, women have got this superannuation gap because they've had a gender pay gap from their 20s. So oftentimes they might retire or they're pushed out of work or something happens, they get divorced, everything, you lose half of everything when you're divorced, you often lose a home. So women can suddenly become homeless without any super uh, at that age group. It's really serious. And like anything, it's prevention. Mm. That's my mantra. So that from the very first time you're paid for any job, you got to think about that money. Think about your super. Think about somebody when you hit 55 or 65, you don't want to be living in a van. And while I can't change, you know, the future or the past or whatever the wording is, as an employer, I can make sure that any of the people I employ won't have a super gap. Correct. Won't have a wage gap. Exactly. Exactly. And you can help them with, um, you know, you might be a great boss and help them with childcare suggestions. When you're coming back to work, there are a whole lot of things you can do as an employer to help women not get become homeless. And but poor. I am hopeful for the future because forty years ago there wasn't my Millennial Money podcast. Exactly. There wasn't the technology. There wasn't the financial education. There wasn't the empowerment. The access to information. Yeah. Correct. And now it's brilliant. You can you can find out so much. And to be honest, I would say if you're under 40, whether you're a woman, a man, child, whatever, and particularly if you're listening to this, you've been told that the government won't look after you when you're older. And sure, if you want to aspire to a $20,000 a year pension, that's fine. But we've been told that we need to self-fund. So it does then go back to personal responsibility in most of the... And sure, don't at me, everyone. I know there is outliers and people that find themselves in situations that are out of their control. So let's carve out that. But in the main, we're being warned. And I would really encourage you, if you are a young woman on this International Women's Day, Mm. like don't put up with crap. Exactly. Please, yep. please do not put up with crap. Exactly. Ask for stuff that you is important to you. Yeah. You may be pleasantly surprised. And if you're not, 
find another job. And if you find out there's a male equivalent in your workforce who is getting paid more than you. Yep. Do, do something about do it. Do something about it. Please do the you of tomorrow a favour today. Be bold. Yes. Stand up. And this kind of goes back to this whole financial literacy thing that we're talking about with, you know, you probably don't know this, Sally, but 75% of our listeners who we survey do not have any consumer debt. That's really interesting. 75%. Amazing. And I believe it's growing. That's amazing. Young women in particular, if you find out there's a pay gap in your workplace and you've got your emergency fund, you've got your foundations in place, yeah. things, you know, you are got your education and training underway, you're in the workforce, don't put up with crap. No, exactly. You know, stand up for yourself, you're worth more than taking it. That is such good advice. Um, when I was young, I felt like I, I couldn't do that. Um, I, I think young women today are feeling more empowered about not putting up with crap, but there are still some who do, and I would absolutely urge you to listen to Glenn. Don't put up with it. We've got to break the back of this mm. at some stage in, in, in some generation. This could be it. Yeah. So, hey, we might leave it there. I mean, we haven't solved the world's problems, but what we've done is on this International Women's Day, um, we've actually said at My Millennial Money that we do value this type of conversation. We do value this type of chat. Exactly. Like, and it's really Glenn important. James, like, <laughs> I can't change the world. I'm sorry, everyone. I can't change the world, but I can use this platform for good and I can use this platform for having kind of open table conversations. Exactly. And, and getting people to even talk about this stuff with their friends. Um, I'm sure everyone does. But giving them solutions or things that they can actually do to perhaps change the, the, the levers at some point is important. Yeah. So thank you, everyone. And the next two weeks, I'm going to still take off. Uh, there won't be me on the next two Tuesday episodes because I'm still going to continue my break off the microphone. <laughs> I just jumped back on for... Um, for this episode uh, with Sally. But uh, yeah, thank you so much for listening and we'll get you back, Sally, um, closer to the election, whenever that may be, so we can actually look at some policy mm. and look at both camps. Great. And yeah, Should, just... Just after the budget, probably a good time. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Fantastic. All right, bye. Bye, thanks, Glenn. We acknowledge the dark and young people, traditional custodians of the land on which our studio sits and pay respect to their elders, past and present. We extend that respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples who may listen to our podcast. My Millennial Money supports A21, a charity focused on abolishing slavery and human trafficking all over the world. Check out a21.org.au for more info. If you would like some other giving options or if you're unsure about which charity you can support, head to thelifeyoucansave.org.au. This podcast is for education and entertainment purposes. Any advice is general financial advice only, which does not take into account your objectives, financial situation, or needs. Because of that, you should consider if the advice is appropriate to you and your needs before acting on the information. If you do choose to buy a financial product, read the product disclosure statement and obtain appropriate financial advice tailored to your needs. Simo Interactive, Proprietary Limited, the publisher of the podcast, is an authorized representative of Money Sherpa, Proprietary Limited, which holds financial services license 451289. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. 
They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.